We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder, Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Apollo with little Stevie, Steve Ribeiro. We're back for another edition of the show. Before we get into all the news and all the information on, and a couple of Twitter questions as well, hey, please, for the love of all that's good and holy in the world, head on over to iTunes, give us that five-star review. We're running a contest. We've been running this contest forever a day. We have not forgotten about it. Once we get to 100 five-star reviews, we're going to go ahead and, and give away a $50 gift certificate over to NFLShop.com. To hopefully, we're going to buy Ram stuff, I would think, right? Ram stuff? 
Yeah. yeah better yeah. Rams. All right, I hope you're not buying a uh, Marcus Mariota jersey or oh, something good like lo- that. Even worse, a, a Garoppolo jersey? What the <laughs> heck? Okay. So, hey, head on over there. Uh, five-star review. Also, subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android. Oh, and you can listen to us on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific time on iebeatradio.com. We're also on 10 a.m. on Saturday and Sundays as well. So, hey, if you're in the radio mood, there you go. Please, subscribe. It helps us out a lot. Okay. News first. News first. Oh, boy. Right away, another joint practice for preseason. The Rams are going to have joint practice with the Ravens out there in Maryland in early August prior to their first preseason game. That's going to be fun. Hey, you think you make it down there? The ball, hey, if you give me a press pass, maybe. I could try. The NFL's kind of stingy on those things. I'm Norm's down there. I'm pretty sure he'll make it. He'll go. I mean, I, I'm not that far. I'm still kind of far from Baltimore, so going for a practice is a little bit out of the way from New York. But well, you don't just go for a practice, man. You go for practices. Well, yeah, 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 I know. Practices. Also, seeing the team go against opposing starters will be nice to see as well no, so totally. i'm pretty sure we'll send norm out there and, and maybe steve will make the drive down they can you know have some fun have a beer you're old enough to drink right yes <laughs> just just checking just checking okay so there's that also in the news johnny hecker uh, we didn't want to talk about this we were not how, why would we talk about a punter restructuring his contract? Well, because there's a, there's a greater theme here. He restructures con- his contract, moves some of it over to bonus. It saves the Rams almost a million dollars in cap space for this year, which is important wiggle room, especially when getting themselves in for, well, more players. They do need a couple of linebackers. So, Steve, I don't know if you've noticed this over the years, but the Rams are really, really, for all the mistakes they make, and they do. They're like another team in the league. They make mistakes. They're very good at finding money. No, they are. And the, we mentioned this on the last podcast that it didn't seem like they even tried with Quinn, which was kind of surprising given that they did it with Long. They did a really nice one with Long. They did it with Tavon, which was since you're not really going to get anything for the guy, I thought that was a fine move. And now Johnny Hecker, obviously, as weird as it to say about a punter, one of our best and most important players. So... Getting him restructured while keeping his money there, that was smart. That was good for the team. It's really just – this is a home run, even though it's on a smaller scale than, say, a Ndamukong Sue signing. But it's this was a very good move, and we're counting pennies at this point. So that million dollars is probably going to come in handy. Well, it comes to me really handy. You uh, The thing, the point I kind of want to make here is we, and we've had this debate before, um, either on our Facebook page or on Twitter. The Rams – there, no NFL team will always hit it big on every draft pick or on every free agent signing. Sometimes they'll make baffling moves like the contract they gave Tavon Austin, the extension. But the one thing they're always good at doing is maneuvering money in order to make some things happen. They've, they've always been good at that. Going back to the very beginning of Les Snead's tenure, even during the Billy Devaney, and because it's really uh, Kevin DeMoff who – as villainized as he is sometimes by certain people, St. Louis, okay, um, he he finds money. It's like he pulls it out of his rear end. He finds a way to make things work 
with the salary cap structure. He's one of the best at it. It's just a shame that in the end, uh, they've made a couple bad decisions on on how they're going, you know, on how much they're going to pay people they they believe in more than they probably should. But so, I, I don't, does that sound like a backhanded compliment? No, because they've been bad at giving out contracts, but good at restructuring them. Not not that bad at giving out contracts, but they've they've there's been some questionable signings. There's been some questionable re-signings, but I mean overall, I think contract wise, they've done a better job than they've done a bad job. They made their they made mistakes. Yeah, but they are very very good, and this is why if the Rams are getting now in that win now mode and they have salary cap for next year and so on and so forth, this is why. They're dangerous even in win now mode. This is why they're they're dangerous in the future because they are very good at moving around money to to get things they want. I think they're better than most teams in the league at moving money around. That's important. Keep an eye on that. And finally, in the news, and this goes along with one of our Twitter questions, Aaron Donald. Sporting News has us out. Um, we got we're using the article for that. It was with the MM uh, sorry the MMQB podcast. Let me slow down my words here. Peter King. Peter King, absolutely. Uh, on that podcast, our general manager, Les Snead, referred to Donald as someone who's on the verge of becoming the highest paid defensive player in football. Uh, that is, well, duh. Who The only question is going to be who's going to pay him, right? Well, we all know it's going to be the Rams, right? Yeah, and I would hope we have him. <laughs> we should keep him here. He's his. His start of his career is historic. I mean, he's made the Pro Bowl every year and been a first-team All-Pro every year outside of his rookie year. I mean, he's on pace to be one of the best to ever do it. And you don't want him to do that with somebody else. You want him to do it here. If if it makes him the highest defensive-paid player in the league, so be it. It's I'd rather spend $20 million on him than uh, $20 million on three different guys because unless these are three of the 10 or 15 best defensive players in the league, odds are Aaron Donald has a bigger impact than them. Well, yeah. And I guess the reason why we're bringing this up now in terms of Steen's quote is for the last couple of months, even we'll throw Norman to the bus here because Norman's been really, been really preaching, pay him, pay him, pay him. And we're saying it's going to happen. We've known all along that there was a timeline for paying Aaron Donald. At first, we didn't know what it was. And then as time goes on, it makes more sense. My guess is they want to pay him over the summer. I don't know the money will be there in the summer because of the current salary cap situation. But moving things around like the Hecker thing, it creates another million almost. Uh, maybe the front load of the contract beginning next year while they have $81 million in cap space. At some point here, they're paying him. So we had a a Harold Timmy on Twitter asked us, with all this talk from Snead about paying AD, what do you think the chances are it happens before the season starts? I think it'll happen before the season starts. I I really do. I think you're right. The summer timeline is probably where we're heading with this. And, yeah, that's – yeah, I think it'll happen before the season starts. I wouldn't be shocked if it didn't. But I'd be pretty annoyed because we gotta lock this guy up. We don't want we don't want to upset Aaron Donald. He's already held out. We don't want him to hold out again, even though he'll play. He's gonna play, but a second holdout would mean that he probably doesn't want to be here at the end of the year. So I think they'll get it done in the summer. All right. Well, just 
to kind of throw some information out there. If they restructure his contract for 2018 over the summer, right now their salary cap situation looks like this. Let me pull it back up again. I just slid the wrong way. Their salary cap structure right now in money, they have, <laughs> boy, right now, $3,893. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, boy. Okay. But, but, but folks, that the, the, the trap, the draft pool's already subtracted from that. Okay. So now we go back up there. If you restructure, if you structure his current salary this year is 6.8 million. That will go into the restructure as well. So that puts you at 10 million. Okay. And then what we have talked about here and there, releasing a certain former safety now linebacker by the name of Mark Barron. Mark Barron's salary cap hit next year is $10 million. So do the math there. That is about 19 point, okay, 6.8, 16.8. That's $20 million. There's your salary cap space. Well, can they just release Mark Barron and clear that cap, or would they have to trade Well, him? okay, let's re- let me rewind this here, okay. Um, for Mark Barron, his dead cap hit right now is 5 mil. I forgot about the dead cap part. But post June 1st, it shifts, and they can get 9 mil back for him. So it's right around 19 million total they'll have. So they can technically sign if they're done in free agency, which I don't think they are. They're, they're not, they, they, they just saw a report they're going to sign six linebackers. Some of those will be drafted. Okay. So they'll be, you know, they need to fill six linebacker positions on, on the defense right now. So I got to say that. They got to find a little more money somewhere, but it's totally possible with some maneuvering, they can indeed pay Aaron Dahl before the season. My question would be if they don't pay him before the season, when will they pay him? Yeah, so they could give him an extra, if they don't clear any cap right now, they give him an extra, what, four million, you said? You can give him four, well, if you cut Mark Barron, four, nine, 13, he'll be almost there. He'll be almost at 20 million. So here's what they do. And this is a thought. Let's say they give him 18 million. This year, all right, and then the second year of his contract is then front loaded with lots of guaranteed money from there. Yeah, because they don't have to pay Gurley next year, right? We have one yeah. more year. You got another year for Gurley. You got two more years for Goff. So if you front load in twenty nine for uh, twenty nineteen, you're okay. Yeah, you're okay. Now, if you and you want to front load in twenty nineteen, you don't want to front load in twenty. You don't want him loading up in 2020, 2021 when you're going to pay those other guys. Yeah, you want yeah, to. As soon as possible. Yeah. So the answer is yes, they can do it in the summer. And I think they will. I think they'll get knocked out in the summer. I think it'll surprise some people when they do it. But it's going to happen. Yeah. And I think even if they don't clear that cap, they would just give him whatever's left and then throw a lot of money on him for the rest of the contract. Because there's no way he does not get a raise. I think that's just, it's not happening. He's going to get whatever's left in the salary cap no matter what. Yeah, but I think what some people forget, though, in terms of monetary value, they forget he already has a base salary of almost $7 million. Yeah. Well, that rolls into the new contract if you give him extension. So then that's one reason why I've I've been arguing for a while that they should have given him extension last year 
because you can start paying him now instead of trying to pay him when he's in his 30s. Yeah, I agree. I, I got to say, all this cap talk that I've researched and studied this summer, it makes me really appreciate how much simpler the NBA's salary caps are because all this dead cap and weird partial guarantees and signing bonuses, it's its like a course. You could teach a whole course on this for a semester. Well, yeah, but I have some problems with the NBA's rules too, especially the luxury tax rule. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Penalizes teams for, you know, basically going out there and being willing to pay money. It penalizes them for paying players money after multiple. I think it's what three years now. Yes, it's that's what killed teams like the Lakers. Okay. You know, the Lakers had enough success. Well, well, hold on a minute here. Okay. I know. I I don't mean to offend our base, but I mean when you're that good, you pay the price. I think Golden State's gonna have to do it too. Why should they have to pay the price? They're already paying the price in salaries. No, they're already I, they're already they're already being willing. You're basically in that luxury tax structure, and it goes the same for baseball. You're already taxing teams for being willing to spend money and be good. Yeah, well, I think the the main reason is because it is in theory over the salary cap. So because they're so far over the cap when they hit the luxury tax, they're not supposed to be over the cap. So they're, they're letting them bend the rules, but they're making them pay more money for it. It's, it's kind of dumb. I, I'm not saying it's it's smart, but I mean, I guess in a lot of ways, by proxy, I'm making the argument against the salary cap. But you know, some teams are willing to pay the money, and some teams aren't. Yeah, and I, I have that's a problem a with argument for sure. Um, I you know, I have a problem with you know teams who are willing to go out there and try and win, being penalized harshly for that. Yeah, you know, I guess if you have a luxury tax, don't make it an escalating because that's that's what the NBA is. It's an escalating tax. At least the NFL doesn't do that. And it's crazy in the NBA because, like, with the salary cap and with the max contracts they have, LeBron is making like thirty million, and he's as dumb as it sounds, underpaid given his value on and off the court. So it's it would be crazy to see a league with no salary caps and no max contracts, but that's. That's a topic for another time and probably a different website. <laughs> a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. We can verge a little bit, but let's not you know, let's <laughs> okay. All right. So there's there is the the crux of the news there in that course. Yeah, we, we do believe Aaron Donald will be paid here Absolutely. in the summer after June first when they can cut Mark Barron. I really believe they're gonna cut Mark Barron. Why? Do you really think they're gonna cut him? I um, I think he's um, been here for this long. Well, go back to our last podcast and talk about Robert Quinn. It's, it's about the fits, the business decisions. Oh, no, that's, decisions. that's not what I meant. I mean, it's, I mean more that it's mid-April and he's still on the team. Well, because you you, you can't get max savings until post-June 1st. Okay. That, so you I, have to keep on the roster until then. Okay. So, all right. There's a few things here. And Steve and I have been – we've been kind of – there were some articles that came out this week that – I think kind of go together a little bit in terms of an overall discussion. That's where we wanted to go today. Okay. The first one is the battle for LA. Okay. And there's a second one that talks about the Rams being the destination team. That's from, um, it's Alden Gonzalez over there at ESPN. And then there's another one from the comeback, which I know you're going to tear apart saying, chill out in the Rams winning the Super Bowl. So we're going to go through this step by step because in terms of popularity and where things are right now, in terms of the splash the Rams are making, they kind of all go together. Yeah, so, well, I think at least the Rams and Chargers and destination things are – and I guess the other thing too, but those two I think we could talk about in one swoop, right? Because that ties directly into the battle for L.A. 
how they become a Debbie yeah, Downer yeah. team. Yeah, and but then you also have the, the Debbie Downer, basically. <laughs> With a really, by the way, hint, hint, uh, spoiler alert, a really, really bad argument. A pretty bad argument. Can we just start with terms. Can we just start with this? Because now that we're already talking about it. Oh uh, no! Come on, let's right, build up to right, it. Let's, right. let's build up to it. First things first. Okay, we've been talking this for a while now. The Rams and Chargers. They have an article out there on ESPN. Um, they're the Chargers writer, Eric Williams, our staff writer, and it really kind of pointing at how the Rams took a big splash. The Chargers took this patient approach, quote unquote. That's the headline. A couple things here that I want to point out in terms of the patient approach. One, I make this point, the Chargers are a very good team. They have a good roster. I, I, I no disrespect to the team they have there. Are they not the ones who, who came out here a year ago and quote-unquote wanted to start this battle for L.A.? Yeah, and I mean, it, I wouldn't say it's basically over because it's going to fluctuate between times. You know, as long as you're not the Clippers, there's going to be some kind of back and forth, but... It's it's shaping up to be kind of a lesser degree Yankees Mets thing here, whereas the Mets have a huge following and they're good a decent amount of times, but they ain't the team in New York. And I think that's we're we're not the Yankees. Okay, let's let's just get that out of the way. But I think that's kind of where this is heading, especially early on, because the Chargers every game was an away game, and I know that happened to the Rams a lot in the first year and. With the Eagles, well, the end but, of the first year. The end of the first year. Yeah. And I think this year you saw it a little bit with the Eagle game. But the they, for the most part, have really built that following. And I think it will follow them into the new stadium more. And with the Chargers, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to follow them because their fans from San Diego aren't that far. But also because they're not that far, they're pretty mad. And they're probably not going to make that trip. Whereas here – we went from one fan base to a whole new fan base and we kept a fair amount of it. I think both of us included in that, but they were returning to a fan base whereas the chargers. They're basically building it up from scratch. Well, we've made this argument before too, and that is, well, hold on a minute. What team used to be in LA before the chargers, the Raiders. And okay. Of course the Rams were to the Raiders. How do Raiders fans feel about that team from the South? They don't like them. That, that's a strong point. Okay, so L.A. fans for years have cheered against the Chargers. They've hated the Chargers in many cases. Hated, you know, that's, that's their lower downtown rival in terms of not, not the people. I don't think people in L.A. give a crap about people in San Diego. All right. But in terms of football rivalries, Raider fans, they're, they're not, they don't give a crap about Chargers fans. So all of a sudden, these people in L.A. are supposed to suddenly turn around and care about a team they haven't cared about, haven't even liked, they've disliked for decades? That's that's where we're going here? It's it's a tough ask. That's that's what I want to point out. Point number two here, they're talking about this article really points out how the Chargers are – you know, they're taking this approach. And head coach, uh, Chargers head coach Anthony Lynn has this quote in here. And I think it's really um, interesting. Flashy don't win games. That's what he uh, told the LA Times. Flashy don't win games. All right. Point taken. But is it really about flashy or the Rams go out there and actually just trying to win? Is it flashy or are you trying to win? 
I let me just say that I love that we're associating the term flashy with the Rams because for about like ten years it was not there was nothing flashy about this team. It was quarterbacks getting driven into the ground and uh, players not doing much besides Steven Jackson. It was not that flashy. I mean, they weren't they weren't loud. They weren't obnoxious. These moves were flashy, but it was just a good football team. Todd Gurley, given how I guess like you know guys that are that good often turn out to be divas. He's probably the exact opposite. He's just a straight up baller. He just goes out there and he plays and he's having a blast. I nothing about this team was really flashy or uh, like I don't know. Flashy is a weird word to describe the Rams. You could describe this off season, but you're you're adding flashy players and flashy moves to a team that has already won games and had their best season in over a decade. Well, I guess the, that's the feeling. Like, there's almost a negative connotation to that to me. Well, you know, we're not being all flashy. Listen, you're trying to win. Okay, you, you're going to come here to, to the end. You're Oh, my gosh. I'm going to get my words out here today. You're going to – this franchise is going to move to L.A. They're going to compete in a market that already has franchises everywhere, everything ranging from the Lakers to the Clippers to the Dodgers to the Angels to the Ducks to the Kings, the Galaxy. Now they have LAFC. Am I missing a sport here? Probably. Okay, you – you UCLA, USC, you have Disneyland, you have the beach, you have Hollywood, you have Universal Studios. I can keep going with all the different distractions you have out there. And your comment is, well, you know, it's about being flashy. Dude, you have to be flashy to win LA. You your team, your franchise is the ones who went after this whole battle for LA thing. That's your franchise. You came up with this whole this whole quote, this whole motto, this whole mantra, we're going to battle for L.A. You did that, not the Rams, and now it's about flash you don't win games. Okay, well, maybe they don't win games, but good players do. Going out there and getting players for your system, that's what the Rams did. Okay, they were totally aggressive in getting players. What did the Chargers do? Stayed stagnant. They didn't They didn't do much. They're I mean, not, they have Definitely players. not a bad team. Um they were a team that I thought for most of the year was going to make the playoffs, but their, you know, their ceiling is not as not that high, and they're, for lack of a better word, they're stale. Is that fair? They've I don't know that's doing, fair. They have playmakers. They, they have, have running playmakers, back. No, but they've, yeah. it's kind of been the same Philip Rivers led team for over a decade. It's there's a lot of shifting parts, but. Uh, I love Keenan Allen. I love – I like Melvin Gordon. Those guys aren't exactly like taking over the world in terms of popularity or personality or whatnot. Where the Rams, you got two of the best players in the league on each side of the ball and a uh, a new quarterback where he's not Phillip Rivers, but he's new. He's in his mid-30s. I get that. I, I totally get that, but there's also the other side of it too. Don't forget that Chargers defense was number three in the league last year. It was yeah, a very, very good defense. A beast. I mean, so that's a good football team, and they're probably going to be better next year, especially if they can get some people healthy. They only have one key player who's not on the roster just yet, and that's Trey Boston. So that's that's a good football team. They're going to be good. But I guess what I'm, what I'm getting at here, and it's a whole battle for L.A., what's wrong with being flashy? If you're trying to win the market, wouldn't you want to be flashy? Wouldn't you want to show the, the fans in that market that you are – 
in it to win it all the way through, that you're willing to do whatever it takes, you're willing to spend whatever money it takes, you're willing to use draft capital to make it happen. Isn't that what you should be doing to win a market? No, you're t- you're totally right. And you know the Rams needed to come in with a bang, and it may have been a year too late, but they got it because correct me if I'm wrong here. People were excited when they moved back to LA, but it wasn't like they took completely took over the city. There's a lot of people in LA that weren't born or raised there or their parents weren't born or raised there that have their affiliations. I know there's a lot of Philly fans there. There's a lot of Raider fans. So when the Rams moved back, there were people that were excited and the people that wanted the local football team to root for and were actually seeking that out. They probably became Rams fans. And people were just in general, I think, excited to have a football team in L.A. Then a year later, the Chargers do it, and the people that were looking for a team, actively seeking a team, had probably already found it. And unless you just want to be a straight-up complete bandwagon fan, you're not going to quit on that team after a year, and it was bad. We mentioned the people that already have their fandoms and aren't going to shake and were just excited for the new football team. Then the Chargers come in. And if you're going to go to a ball game, you're, you're probably not going to go to the StubHub Center or whatever it's called to go watch it. The, Co- the Coliseum, for all its flaws, has history and it's big. And whereas the other place is, is the smallest stadium in the league. And the but it's Ram- intimate. Yeah, it's intimate. <laughs> it, it, that's, intimate is cool for some sports. I, I don't really associate football with intimate. So, I mean, I don't know, am I making sense with that point? Yeah, you are. But to me, that there's a greater, a greater overall scope to it. In that, when you had, like you mentioned this, when you have this fan base that has all these transient people, and they are a lot of them already have teams, but you can still win people over. And you have a young fan base you want to reach as well, because now you are getting elementary school kids and middle school kids. A lot of them aren't setting their teams yet. You want to reach those kids. So is a steady approach going to work, or is you going up, or is it that you go up and you're aggressive in winning that market? Does that matter to me? That's what the Rams are doing. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. They should be going there and win the market. And also, don't forget that first year back in L.A. That first preseason game, over ninety thousand people show up to the Coliseum. So there is interest and there is a want for the Rams to be there. The Rams just blew that first year. They really they messed it up. Playing a four and twelve team that's boring to boot. It's different if the four, team that's four and twelve is fun to watch. They weren't fun to watch. They were horrible. Who who wants to go pay for that? It's economics driven. I'm not going to spend hundreds of dollars to go watch a four and twelve bad football team with bad offense when I can go to the beach or go to Universal Studios or go out to eat in a really nice restaurant or whatever. Why would I do that? No, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's and we learned this with uh, building up our website following that people don't exactly care when your team sucks. So it, yeah, yeah. It, now that the Rams are good and they're exciting and they got good players who are more importantly young guys, and I guess the mm-hmm. Chargers have that too, so it's not really a totally fair point, but I think the Rams were there first and they kind of had that established already. So the last year was big and they got some buzz, and I think you know they got in early on that ground floor of being the team city, and it'll be hard to shake that. Well, and you make a, a point using our website. You know, this website, Rams Talk, we've been around since 2013. Okay, we covered the team in St. Louis. We kept, we stuck with the team when they moved. Uh, we're a site full of fans who have been there 
from the very beginning. You're one of the young bucks. I mean, so I can't really say too much about you knowing the team when they're in Los Angeles, but Norm and I do. We remember that team in LA. Yeah. And we've stuck through it through thick and thin. We saw a huge, huge downturn in our following when the team moved. In that first year, our following on Facebook, Twitter, so on and so forth, stagnated. Then this team um, does what they do in 2017. All of a sudden, our Facebook explodes, our Twitter explodes, our podcast is, folks, our listenership has increased by more than 10 times since October. Okay. Uh, and and so, hey, potential sponsors out there, by the way, are you hearing that? Hey, hey. By the way, potential sponsors, email us, get on board. But the overall point that I'm trying to make here is that, you know, with, with success, breed success, and interest is growing. And if you're the Chargers right now, is this whole patient way, this whole patient approach the way to win? And I'm going to say no. The Rams are doing this right. They're going for the they're going for the juggle. They're trying to to knock the Chargers out of this market, and they should. You're there to win. You're not there to play nice with them. You are there to win this market, get as many people on your bandwagon as possible, wearing your colors, going to your games, and being that team that is now, quote-unquote, America's team. And that leads us to our, our other article here. The Rams are now the NFL's destination franchise. That is the article written by Alan Gonzalez, the uh, Rams beat writer over at ESPN. He makes this case. It's, uh, from, it's in uh, yesterday's... It's yesterday being, well, we're recording this on 12th, so April 11th, April 11th, ESPN.com. Do you agree with that concept here? The Rams are now the NFL's destination team. I think the destination team is a bit bold given that it's been one year of success, but I think they've skyrocketed up the rankings and they're definitely in the, the the, the top of the tier here. And a big part of that is L.A., for sure. People want to be in a big market. Guys that are marketable want to be in a big market. Guys that aren't that marketable want to be in a big market because there's more marketing opportunities for them to get their brand out. So the winning is really what kind of separates it apart now because in St. Louis, no no disrespect to St. Louis. Uh, I love the St. Louis base. You got to overpay guys like Jared Cook and Corlin Finnegan to get them there. And it's the same for a lot of small market teams. You you got to pay guys a bit more money to get them to come into your situation that's not great in a city that, for a millionaire athlete, might not be as desirable for everybody. Where in L.A., you know, it's not for Robert Quinn, but for a lot of guys, it's it's a big opportunity and a big sandbox for them to build a brand or for them to just live a certain lifestyle that their money entails or to just maybe just be by the water or now – win some football games as we learn with the Dominican Sioux this summer. So if the success maintains, I think in a year or two, they will be the top free agent destination, but to call them the destination right now, when the Patriots have won six Super Bowls in the past 15 years and other franchises have a bit more pedigree is I think we're going to get there quickly, but I think one year to call them the destination team is slightly too soon they're there they're close they're in the top of the conversation but i i just wouldn't say say if you pulled the every player in the league and said what franchise would you most like to play for i don't think we'd come out number one 
I think those are fair points. Real quick, I, I want I want to touch on this too. But I want to go ahead and, and uh, really briefly talk about our sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop with Sal Martinez out there at one three seven five five Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Zip code nine two six eight three. Give him a call seven one four eight nine four seven two six seven. Sal opened this shop up way way back when the, the day the Rams left for St. Louis. He opened the shop up, became his shrine to Rams football. It's his business that. He's run that's focused on his love for this team, hence the name Golden Ram Barbershop. When you go in his shop, you see everything Rams, helmets, jerseys, pictures, autographs, old newspapers, you name it. It's the place to be if you're a Rams fan looking to support another Rams fan, by the way, and having that old school Rams experience, barbershop experience, talking the game, talking sports. Sal's that guy. Go in there, make an appointment with him at 714-894-7267. His hours of operation are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's by appointment. Make that appointment, folks. Again, 714-894-7267, promo code RAMSTALK. My take, sir, my take on all of this as in terms of destination, it kind of mirrors yours. They're not there yet, and I also think that it's going to take some time to surpass certain teams. The Patriots have been winning for almost 20 years. They, they, that's, that's an, it's hard to say I don't want to be a Patriot when you've been winning for almost 20 years. They almost always have a chance to win Super Bowl. Dallas is still a team that players are going to want to go to. I, I hate to say it that way, but you know you got to pass Dallas, and I think they will sooner than than later. Okay. Um, how about the Steelers? Yeah, they got they certainly have that success and they have a well established regime in there that players do respect and would want to play for. But also, um the Steelers don't really get free agents. Right? I think I'm fair to say that. Well, the Steelers they don't they're, try. Well, they're yeah, their 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 thought process is always you build from within to the draft. They have third that's their their bread and butter to draft. They're very good with that. But they will go out there and get the occasional free agent to fill some of those holes. And, you know, I can see how they would be a destination. They are a destination. You know, if you want to go try and win and go to the playoffs, you do want to check with the Steelers. You want, and of course, you want to check with the Patriots. The Eagles are now becoming a destination. We've got to be fair about that as much as we don't like the Eagles around here. Okay. The Cowboys, they're a destination just because it's the freaking Dallas Cowboys. And another team we got to pay attention to now is the 49ers. Good weather. A team that's won a lot of Super Bowls. Of course, it's been a long time since they've won one. But they have tradition and history there. They're, you know, they have a, a, a newer stadium with a young quarterback and a young team that's, that's on the way up. That's a destination right there. But there's something special about playing in Los Angeles, being in Hollywood, being around the brand. Uh, Nadama Kansu, if you go to his Twitter page and his webpage, he's branding himself like crazy. A person who wants to brand yourself for your for your charity causes or just for your own personal brand, you're. I, tell me if I'm wrong, Steve, but I think you go to L.A. over, say, Pittsburgh. No, no, absolutely, and I think that's why I think right now I'd put. The Rams ahead of Pittsburgh. I think Dallas and uh, New England, although not as high on the scale as L.A., those are two very 
marketable destinations in Dallas and Boston. But yeah, like Pittsburgh, Green Bay, I think when you have a successful team in a successful market, you become a lot harder to uh, pass up. And that's, you know, that's the age old problem for small market teams. And there are other teams that can get back in there to the Giants. So they can turn that around real quick. Yeah. And I don't think they're they're too far out either because they, yeah. it's been one bad year. Same thing with the Rams. So, one one very bad year. Not one very yeah. That bad Giants team last year. Oh gosh, I mean, you got to watch the Rams beat them up. Oh, How about that? One of the best moments of my life. <laughs> What's that really say about your life? That's I've had a pretty good life. So okay, then. <laughs> that's what it's saying about the game. <laughs> so it's more about the game. All right, because you had me concerned there. You had me really concerned there. All right. <laughs> so this takes us to part three. The 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 poo pooer, the person who is saying you know. Chill out in the Rams win the Super Bowl. The bandwagon you're already getting full. This is from the the website, the comeback. The writer is Adam Patrick. He wrote this a couple of days ago. And he basically makes the argument that the Rams, well, they're not a given to go to the Super Bowl. I'll let you take it over from here because I know that you've been chomping at oh. the bit. And I'm gonna to tag talk about this. I'm gonna tag this dude in the tweet because I want him to hear my thoughts. This article uh, we're going to do you a favor because you don't have to read it because it's just a clickbait hot take. There is barely anything of substance in this article where the headline is, maybe chill out on the Rams winning the Super Bowl in 2018, okay? So the guy, he starts off, he talks about the team's success last year. He talks about the acquisitions the Rams made, bringing in guys with a combined 12 Pro Bowls and four all pros and that's not including Brandon Cooks so you can bump those pro bowls up and before we get into this there's also a picture in the article of Ndamukong Sue and Sean McVay and Les Need with the caption Ndamukong Sue and two fans so I'm pretty I'm like 80% sure this dude is just trolling but I'm gonna tear this apart anyways the first thing he says here so I'm gonna point out a couple highlights he says after he says all the stuff about the team he says well how about they play some games first well we're not adding these players to the Browns or to a team that's not good. You're adding these four Pro Bowl, All Pro caliber players to a team that went 11 and five last year in a tough, toughish division that brought almost everyone back, including their the core of their team in Donald and Gurley, two of the best players in the league, and Goff, an upcoming quarterback. The guys they lost basically got replaced with better players, such as Tremaine Johnson and Kayvon Webster, getting replaced with Marcus Peters and Aqib Talib. So he goes on, he says, he talks about how, first thing he says is that the defense, it should be given that it should get better. We'll get back to that later. Then he says, but what about the Rams offense? There's no guarantee that Los Angeles will have the same amount of success putting up points on the board as they did in 2018. I mean, there's no guarantee, but the only guy that left was Sammy Watkins. You replace him with a guy who's probably equal in talent and probably a better fit for the team. So then he says that the Rams had the top scoring offense in the league last year, but if you break it down, they averaged 24.4 points per game in matchups against top 15 scoring defenses and 32.9 against their other remaining opponents. Derek, what do you think 24.4 points per game would rank in the NFL? Pretty freaking high up it's there. It's 10th. So they're 10th in the league against just top 15 scoring defenses. So is that a negative? Are you – and 
So they're playing eight top 15 defenses next year. So I guess they're just going to average 24.4 points per game against those top defenses. Like, oh, man, it's – so now throw the season out because if they're only averaging 24.4 points per game, they're not going to be a successful season. And then he mentions that the defense – their big three additions on defense, Peter, Sue, and Tlaib, are not exactly what one would call mild-mannered. And this is true. And this is a fair thing and criticism to say about the offseason. But let's go back to what he just said a couple paragraphs earlier where he said, first things first, Los Angeles should be improved on the defensive side of the ball in 2018 for sure. There doesn't seem to be much reason to question that thought. So then why, just a couple paragraphs later, in the same article, are you questioning that thought? And then he also says, and this will be my last point here, says a full year film on Goff in Los Angeles current offense will likely benefit opposing defenses of 2018. True, but you could say that about literally every rookie in the history of sports. So I'm not sure if there's no substance here. It's just a clickbait hot take. There's uh, these are just things that everyone has been saying, and he's trying to act like we need to con- reconsider the Rams as being the favorites to win the Super Bowl because of this. And it's it's this is just this article's trash. I'm just gonna straight up say it. I'm not going to criticize the writing. I'm not going to criticize how he articulates himself. I'm going to criticize his points because there's nothing of substance in this piece. Adam Patrick, tweet me about it and explain yourself. I would go here and see this is kind of like my Robert Quinn feeling from the, from the last show. You know, when I got really kind of emotional about it. Um, I would say – there are some points to make that I think you can make them a little, a little bit more intelligently. Okay. And actually, he he kind of touches on it at the very end of his taking. We talked about just ask the 2011 Philadelphia Eagles how many they, Super Bowls they won. Okay, well, you can go back. That's a fair take. You know, hey, hey, a lot of teams have tried in the past to build all-star teams. You can go at the 1997 Baltimore Orioles. You can look at the 2000 Washington Redskins, 2000, 2001. When we went, was it 2001 when we went and got uh, Deion Sanders and a bunch of people? Uh, the Baltimore. Eagles, 2011. The um, I can go to the Lakers in 2004 when they went and got Carl Malone. You can go. All these teams have built super teams in the past, and they've completely not worked. We can go there. You can say that. That's a fair point. That's a fair point if you want to make that argument. But what you're talking about, 24.4 points a game, film to watch, hello. Jared Goff has time over this offseason to get better, too. He has time to go out there and watch film and develop his game and become a better quarterback. This offense should be better this year because now they're in the system another year. So while teams are catching up with them on film, they should be moving forward, too. The, the, the way this author's going, and you mentioned his name. I'm not even going to mention this guy's name, okay? The way he's going, it's as if the Rams are just on standstill. And they've reached their potential, and they're not going to get any better. That's a stupid take. And as that's kind of what happened to the Eagles that year, because it's not like they were the Rams, they brought in the new regime first year, turns it around immediately, then they bring in guys. That was a floundering Andy Reid situation that the writing could have been on the wall, and that's why they brought in all these guys. So, while similar in a lot in a fair amount of ways, still a lot different. And 
Also, if you click on this guy's Twitter, he's a Vikings fan. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> well, and, the, and a Vikings fan will probably also have, you know, the argument to make, hey, look out more for my team. And I can get that. But, hey, isn't the, aren't the Vikings going to be under the same thing? They, they have to get better, too. They're, they should be able to get better with Kirk Cousins as their quarterback. No offense to Keenan, uh, Case Keenum. Okay, well, let's be honest about that. Let's be honest about, well, let's have some intellectual integrity here and talk about how other teams are going to have the same issues. Instead of just saying, hey, well, the Rams, as if the Rams are, you know. They're just generic arguments, and he doesn't put any facts behind any of them. It's just a hot hot take. It's clickbait. Well, and then, of course, going after uh, Peters, Sue, and Tlaib. I keep talking about this. When have Peters, Sue, and Tlaib ever gotten in trouble off the field they're not bad men no they're not horrible people they're not going to get in trouble with the law okay so they have a little bit of temper problem okay well you know what tell me an NFL player in the heat of the moment doesn't have a temper problem just because these guys are more out there with you know are more peter throws his his the penalty flag in the stands okay so he's obviously a little bit more uh shall i say uh physical about his frustrations but tell me do do not other teams have players like this no and plenty of great teams have players like this so it's (laughs) i think it's gonna mesh i think it's it's fair to say that it might not but i think each of these guys i think it'd be a lot different if you're bringing in a running back and a receiver who aren't going to be getting the touches that they'd hope for and that could kind of set off some red flags. Here, you're bringing in two cornerbacks. They're going to be able to split duties, you would think, guarding the team, the other team's best players, depending on the specific fit and which one of those two could do it better, which I'm sure they're both going to love, especially Tlaib because he's kind of getting up there. And it's kind of the same thing for Sue, where he's getting a nice chunk of change to be the second-best lineman, which is a role he's never had to do, and which is a role where he'll probably flourish because – these aren't positions where they need to get the ball. They get the ball themselves. They go get it. They go after the ball. It's not a scheme that's controlling how much they're going to shine. It, In a way, it is. But Wade Phillips' scheme it allows most guys to shine, I'd say. All right. So we're almost done. And, and by the way, Mr. Patrick, your article is stupid. There you go. I, dang it, I mentioned his name there. Gosh, it goes with my own principle. We're okay. Ta- I'm tagging him in the tweet. <laughs> You go for it. All right. Finally, here we go. Last thing. Oh, yeah. One question from Rams Todd Father on Twitter asking us after Landry getting a deal today on how much does this impact Cook's potential deal? I don't really think it impacts his deal at all. I don't know how you feel about that. Well, I think that it's pretty established that receivers are getting paid, and I don't think this one specific deal will affect it but i think cooks is going to be looking at the money that's out there and if we can't offer him something close then it might not work out which is scary but i i think he's gonna have a good time this year and i think we will be able to work something out i think the rams intend on bringing them back i think they're going to pay him the money i don't know how they're going to finance that especially with other contracts coming up but i think they are pretty intent on paying him the money and so unless he bombs out and then we're going to look back at that trade, giving him a first-round pick, going, oh, crap. But let's not go there. Let's believe that 
you know, McVay's wanted him now for a couple of years. I think that in the end, you're going to see the Rams pay him about 15 mil. That's probably where he's going to be. And that'll be about his market. Right about there. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I can imagine him having a terrible year. And even if his numbers are low, uh, Sammy Watkins just got 16 million a year. So Cooks, the money's going to be there for him. Yep. So I don't think Land, Landry's a different receiver too, by the way. And the, and the Browns have money to burn. The Browns are in the position where the Rams were a couple of years ago where nobody wanted to go there. So the Browns have to overpay for people. Yes. Yeah, I agree. So, all right. So I hope we've we've uh, covered everything we can. We are going to begin focusing here on the draft in this, in this couple podcasts. Also, our 100th episode is coming up. We have a great interview, a, a mystery interview with one amazing – jeez, I, I shouldn't tell them, should I? Well – you want to build up the suspense, I guess. Is that the next? I guess episode? we should. No, no, no. That's come right now. It's scheduled for right before the draft. You know, I folks. I'm sorry, I can't tell you who it is. <laughs> Announce it before the pop, but we'll wait. But yeah, wait a little pop. bit. But guys, make sure you're planning on listening to that hundredth episode because we got an interview with someone who's very hard to get an interview with, and it's a. Let's just say it's well worth the listen. Let's just say that. All right. For Steve Ribeiro. Oh, jeez, almost forgot. Social media. Steve, go with it. Roll. At Steve Ribeiro. You could, I'm sure you can find me on the Talk Rams page or in Adam Patrick's mentions. <laughs> find me at DC Apollo. Also, check out the Rams Twitter at Talk Rams. The Rams Facebook page. Rams Talk, sorry. Rams Talk. Rams Talk Twitter at Talk Rams. Rams Talk Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. Also, again, check us out our podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, you name it, we're there, okay? Subscribe. Leave that five-star review, please, on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. Upvote us on Reddit if you see our articles or podcasts there. I post them from time to time. We really – and we really appreciate it. Again, uh, we mentioned earlier in the podcast that our listenership has grown 10 times this year from beginning to end, and uh, it's not without great supporters like those who are listening right now. So, again – Thank you very much. We hope that we can continue to provide good content for you that you enjoy. As always, we're just thankful. I mean, I, I guess I, I, I'm losing words here. We're just thankful. So there you go. All right. For Steve Ribeiro, this is Derek C. Paul. See you soon. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.